lesson for this morning. I said, did I say John? It's Luke. Uh, That might have been my error. Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And this is the story that we heard Graham uh, tell for us, a very familiar story. So listen now for God's word to you. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When, they had used up his, when he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country, and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starving to death? I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, when his older son was in the field, coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked them what was going on. The servant replied, your brother has arrived and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older brother was furious and didn't want to enter in, but his father came out and begged him. He answered his father Look, I have served you all these years and have never disobeyed your instruction. Yet you've given, and yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Then his father said, Son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive, he was lost and is found. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So every good Father's Day sermon needs to start out with a dad joke. Um, (laughs) This one is one that my grandfather loved to tell. So one day, little Johnny was in the church hallway, and he was looking at a plaque with a list of names on it, and he was staring at it for quite a while, and so the pastor came out and said, good morning, Johnny, how are you doing? He said, I'm good, pastor. And he said, what are all the the names of the people on this plaque? And the the pastor said, well, that's the the list of names of all the people who have died in the service. And little Johnny stared at it for a little while longer and said, which service was it, pastor, the 9 or the 11 (laughs) o'clock? My grandpa loved to tell that joke. He told it to me, I think, every time I saw him after I told him I was going to be a pastor. It was like his little tradition for him. Um, 
Well, happy Father's Day to all of you who are dads in one way, shape, or form. It's great to have this tradition kind of resurrected after a few years of not being able to do it in full force. It's great to, to see the Hawaiian shirts. And of course, it's nice to have those wonderful parodies sung by our Elvis impersonators, right? Uh, I really like the one about how much the pastor talks incessantly. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that one, Diane. Um, it reminds me of a time when I was still a pastor in Missouri, and Heather and I were invited to this end-of-year recital for a bunch of our kids in our church who were part of the, uh, uh, the dance studio that was there in town. And, and so we pulled up to the outdoor amphitheater, we got our camping chairs out, and we sat with a couple of other people from the church, and uh, we looked off near the stage, and there was a couple of little girls from the church, and you know they waved excitedly at us, their moms were with them, and a few minutes later, one of the moms uh, came up to me, and she said, uh, Caitlin, when she saw you, Anders, Caitlin was like in second grade at this point. Caitlin, when she saw you, Anders, she said, there's that guy that prays and talks all the time in church. <laughs> I pray and talk all the time in church. It comes with the job description. And now you can, you can add choir member to that, uh, to that as well. Um, but I do have some things to say here this morning about fatherhood, because I'm not only the pastor, I'm also... Uh, a dad, and you got to see my, my kids here this morning, my son Axel, who's three, and my daughter Nora, who was just born uh, this past March, and really being a dad for me is one of the great honors and one of the great responsibilities and obligations of my life. Um, they're small still, they're young still, so it's nice, they still look up to me like I'm a role model, they haven't figured out quite how lame I am just yet. Um, like when, when Nora wakes up and she'll give you these big smiles on her face, these big gummy toothless smiles. Um, I'm, I'm going to treasure those things because I know it's not going to always be that way. Someday it's going to be eye rolls and exasperated sighs. Uh, um, but I, I love being a dad. And, and I think for a lot of us, Father's Day is this opportunity to celebrate the, the dads that are in our lives, the dads that we are remembering, some of whom have, have passed on, remembering those uh, those good things, you know, for me, my dad was always somebody, and is somebody, who can I can rely on to, to be there for me. Um, he was always there. He was always at every Little League game, every basketball practice. He'd sit there on the hard gym floor because I didn't want him to leave. He'd sit there and during the duration of the basketball practice, and sometimes he'd show up to the Little League games with his suit and tie still on because he didn't go home first. He wanted to make sure that he was there for, his, for, for me and for his other kids, and and he was always the, the voice that I could hear above the crowd cheering me on. And I remember one year for Father's Day, I hit a home run for him uh, uh, in my Little League game, and I dedicated that home run to him. And um, always somebody I could count on. And I think for a lot of us, that's what Father's Day is. It's celebrating those, those good dads, the, the good memories. And while all of that is true, I also think it's important for us to acknowledge here this morning that Father's Day is not a good day for everybody. That for a lot of people, Father's Day is a, a difficult day. It's a, a day of mourning the, the relationship that never was. It's a, a day of remembering fathers who were not good to us. And, and I don't want you all to, to be excluded from the celebration of Father's Day. I think it's important that we acknowledge that reality. That parental relationships are always complex. It's true for fathers. It's true for mothers. That they're always complex. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that complexity especially here on Father's Day, because so much of our talk about God is often wrapped up in conversations about fathers, um, because we often refer to God as Father. And there's all sorts of different metaphors for God in the Bible. We have all sorts of different ways of talking about God. You know, 
God is described as a, a shield and a fortress. God is described as a shepherd. You know that famous psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd who leads us to places of rest and, and nourishment. And, you know, God is even described as a womb, as something that, that gives birth to us. But the primary way I think that we as Christians have gravitate, gravitated to talking about God is to talk about God as a father. And it makes sense in a lot of ways because uh, that's how Jesus talked about God. He talked about uh, God being Abba, Father, and uh, some translations say, or some scholars say it's like calling God Dad. Uh, we have the, the Our Father, which we pray every single week. The, the creeds of the church talk about God the Father Almighty. We talk about God a lot. I think it's our, our reflex. It's our natural tendency towards that metaphor of God as Father. And that can be somewhat problematic if you don't have a great relationship with your father. And even for somebody like me who had a good relationship with his dad, that, that metaphor of God as Father was problematic for me for quite a while in my life. I've shared a lot with you all about my own faith journey, pieces of it here and there, but but growing up, God as father was not so much a, a, a metaphor as a literal description of who God was, that God was literally a father. And so God was described as a father who was loving, but that love sort of felt always precarious, that we kind of walked on God as literal father on, on, on eggshells egg because God as literal father was always uh, possibly going to be disappointed in us, that God as, as literal father seemed to be uh, an authoritarian, a disciplinarian, someone who wanted our ultimate obedience who could not be questioned. And I really struggled with that as I went along in my own faith journey, that image of God as a literal father. Because what I soon learned about God, what I discovered about God on my own faith journey was a, a God who was loving, who was uh, all-inclusive love and embraced every part of me, a God who delighted in the, the parts of me that even were growing edges, and so for a while in my life, I sort of did away with the whole idea of God as Father. It was no longer a beneficial metaphor for who God uh, is to me. But then as often happens throughout your life, you start to have these experiences that reframe things for you. Um, and one of those was when I became a dad myself. Um, I still remember the, uh, the day that, that Axel was born. I remember holding him for the first time and the the sort of love that I had for him was way different than any kind of love that I had ever experienced before in my entire life. And, and Heather and I talked about this because she had the same sort of experience. Um, like, we love each other, but it's a, a chosen love. It's a love a, a, of choice. It's a, a covenant, an agreement. And, and there's power and there's beauty in that love, too. But, but when I looked at Axel and then I looked at Nora after she was born, it was like this piece of my own soul was, was sitting there. Um, some of you all are Harry Potter fans. Um, and the main villain in the story, he does this for sinister reasons. He, he splits his soul into seven pieces called horcruxes um, as a way of trying to attain immortality. Um, and again, he does it for bad reasons. But I, I sort of feel like my kids are little horcruxes, <laughs> um, like these little pieces of my soul walking around outside of me. And, um, and so you can, and I've shared this with you all before, you can imagine what it felt like then when Axel had pneumonia and they had to transport him 90 miles by ambulance to the closest NICU for his round of antibiotics. That piece of your own soul being transported that far away from you. And, and I, I remember holding him uh, for that week we were in the NICU. Uh, I sort of took the day shift and Heather took the night shift. Um, I would stay with him during the daytime. And I remember just holding him all day long and, 
looking down to him, and I had this, this unconditional love for him, that I didn't need him to do anything to earn my love. In fact, he couldn't even do anything to earn my love, and yet I loved him, and nothing could ever change that, even when he's jumping off the stage during the, the children's time. Um, and as I had that experience, I couldn't help but think that that's sort of what, what God looks at each one of us like. That metaphor of God as Father, that God holds each one of us in love and, and looks at us in this unconditional way that, that God doesn't need us to do anything to earn that love, but God loves us just the same. This reframing experience. And I remember something my dad said to me years ago. This was long before I was married, much less had children. Uh, he said that anybody can be a father but it takes someone special to be a dad. Anybody can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. Um, and so what I realized I was doing is I was starting to reframe God, not simply as a father, but as a dad. A God who was invested in who I was, was invested in the lives of, of his children. A God who, who looked at us with unconditional love. A God who embraced all the parts of who we were. A God who delighted in us. God who delighted in us and tried to understand who we were, who accepted our questions. God who tried to understand us even when we went down paths that maybe God didn't always quite understand. That's an experience I think that dads have. That God is a dad, not simply a father. God as a dad, someone who looks like the father figure in this parable that we heard here this morning, when his son asked for his inheritance early, which every time we tell this parable, I feel like every pastor says this, and I'm going to say it again here because I feel like it's worth mentioning, that whenever, when someone asks for their inheritance early, it's basically him telling his father that he wishes he was dead. Taking that money, going off to a far country, spending that money wildly, but, but every day the, the dad sitting at the gate waiting for his son to come home. And then when his son comes home, the, the, the dad runs to greet him and and in that culture, dignified men didn't run. And so here is this, this father figure making a, a fool of himself for his son. And his son can barely get out the apology before his dad's slaughtering the fattened calf and throwing this big welcome home party for him. And then, of course, there's uh, the older brother who's sitting out in the fields working, thinking he needs to earn his father's love. And, and what the, the father says to him is, son, everything I have is already yours. You are already loved as you are. You don't have to earn that love. A few years ago now, in 2019, there was a, a man named Howie Dittman uh, who went to the Pittsburgh Pride Parade, and he wore a shirt that said, uh, free dad hugs on it. Um, the, he, he based it off of, there was a group called Free Mom Hugs that started, so he's like, you know what, the mom shouldn't have all of it, the dad should also have it too. So he wore this shirt to the Pittsburgh Pride Parade that said free uh, dad hugs. And he went viral for these two, vi uh, these two photos. Um, the one on the left is a young man, he said, who said that he was kicked out of the house at 19. And what Howie said was that he hugged him with every ounce of pain that he had felt since that had happened. And then the, the girl on the right is someone, she, he said, Howie said that uh, she surprised him. She like saw him from across the way and like ran up and hugged him. And she, he said that she just like melted into him. Um, he gave out 700-plus hugs that day. Um, and he said he realized pretty soon that it was more than just giving hugs. It was giving, and this is my interpretation of it, he was giving belonging and welcome and love to these kids who so desperately uh, needed it. And so when I think about God as a father, 
I think about God as a dad. A dad who holds his newborn children and looks at them with unconditional love that, that doesn't need to earn that love. I, I look at God as, as a father sitting at the gate waiting for that son to return, waiting for that child to return. And when they do, there's a, a big welcome home party. I look at, at God like Howie Dittman, offering hugs and belonging in those places where we most need to know that we are accepted and we are loved. And so we say, thanks be to God, our Father, Thanks be to God, our dad. Amen.